I have to cough. Okay. <laughs> three, two, go. One, two. Yay! Welcome back, Anna. How was your New Year's? Pretty lame. <laughs> Didn't do anything. I probably was in bed by like nine thirty. I made my husband like put on the TV for the Times Square, um, the drop. So I was like, okay. <laughs> are you guys in California, or are you guys in uh, the East Coast for that? We were here in California. Oh, okay. But I was like, okay, we we saw <laughs> we saw the ball drop. I can go to bed now. <laughs> I think we did a central time zone because I let the kids stay up until 10. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. We did 10. I don't think they quite understood, but it's like, okay, my options are either do the East Coast, Central Coast time zone or try to do this thing called um, noon years, which is what they usually do for toddlers up here. Okay. And I'm like, I do not have my shit together enough to be ready by noon to celebrate New Year's. Oh, yeah. That's, true. that's a lot of ambitious planning for somebody who's on vacation. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so um, they had fun. This was our first uh, New Year's celebration. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. 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 Otto could not hang before when he was Ozzy's age, but Ozzy is just like, he's such a second child, a pandemic child that he just goes with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys um, like decorate or do anything like that or just have so, yummy food? We, um, so you know, I was sick for a lot of December and it was looking pretty bleak. Um, and the kids were so unruly this year for Christmas that Santa Claus did not come to our house. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, I was like, he, he, Santa Claus is so mad. He didn't even come by to give you coal. <laughs> Just skipped us <laughs> entirely. Um, but I, I was so upset because Otto did something pretty terrible. I can't remember what it was now, but I was just so upset. And I told Jeff, I'm like, they're ruining my Christmas. Can you do one nice thing for me um, and surprise me with Christmas? And he's like panicking. He's like, what? What does that mean? It's too late to buy gifts. It's like the Christmas Eve already. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he did set up my Christmas tree for me. So that was nice. very nice. Yeah. I was very surprised to see it, but good Lord, those kids. And Jeff is like, this is for your mommy, not for you. Don't look at the tree. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, it was hard. Just, it's very hard. Yeah. You know, I'm in the dark ages with these monsters. Monsters slash adorable little demons. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys do any food or did you like lay low? Did you actually cook? I'm trying to remember. It's so unmemorable that I'm like, what did we do? I, um, I ordered I don't think we did anything. Yeah. Like the last two years I did Chinese food, which I love. And I highly recommend that. I would do that again. Um, but for Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve this year, we did um, orders from Whole Foods. So kind of like the more traditional, mm -hmm. somewhat more traditional. Like Thanksgiving, we did do the turkey. But with uh, Christmas this year, we did lamb shanks and crab cakes. Because the prime rim was sold out <laughs> weeks in advance. I'm like, I really wanted prime rib. Um, yeah. I don't think we ordered food because I don't remember. I'm like, we ordered food this Friday. I think that was the first time in a while. So. Oh, good yeah. for you. Yeah, I'm always like, I'm not cooking. <laughs> Make an order. Yeah, I started using my Instapot again <laughs> like oh. after we got back from New Jersey. Um yeah, just looking at the scale, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I finally opened up my sous vide because I got one um, before we moved. And uh, I was like, I'm not going to open this until after we move so that I don't lose it. Yeah. But I opened it up, tried it last night. We're going to see how it worked because um, I did uh, – I made some char siu. And so it should be really tender. And then I'm going to pop it in the oven to get, like, that nice barbecue crust on top. So fingers crossed that that worked well because yeah. if it does, that's a game changer. <laughs> Um, but yes, we are talking about, you know, we're a week into the new year right now. And I think that, um, it's kind of funny to see where everyone is because on the one hand, people are really sick of this post pandemic world and, and having like trepidations about making, um, goals. 
And on the other hand, people are just like, you know what? <laughs> it's been three years. We got to get back to it, right? Yeah. And so it's a little bit of a half and half. And I personally fall into the camp of like dip my toes back into the pool of like setting intentions, right? Because it's not that it's like um, depressing or anything when you give up on your goals for me. It's more like scrambling to be like, well, what's the game plan now? You know? So um, personally, I'm setting like quarter long intentions to be able to pivot in case I, I need to. And that way you remain focused. Um, I think, you know, that like at the end of the year last year, I felt very like frazzled with a lot of things up in the air and a lot of like last minute additional um, tasks and things to do. So having a more focused year quarter by quarter, I think is going to really help prioritize things for me. Yeah, I think that's really smart just to, yeah, do like little chunks of time instead of trying to overwhelm yourself with the whole entire year. Yeah. yeah. What is your strategy? Honestly, <laughs> preparing for this podcast made me realize I really need to to put one together. Um, it's not yeah. too late. It's never too late. Yep. It's never too late. That's the thing. Um, there's an optimal time, sure, for a lot of people, but it's never too late, right? And for some people, the realization comes around tax time when you're like trying to get your receipts together, trying to mm-hmm. pull your numbers. You're like, oh my God, next year I'm going to be so much more organized. This year it's going to be like everything's going to get entered on time. And, you know, we all get busy. So it's a matter of like setting up processes for yourself to make it actually happen. So, um, Yeah, that's what we want to talk about today, right? This idea of like, how do you take advantage of the most optimal time of the year to get ahead of all of the behind the scenes business things, all of the things that we didn't really sign up to do, but it's a huge part of running a business. Um, This time from beginning to end of January is really like the time that everyone has. Well, a little bit of February too. Um, before things get really heavy with bookings. Uh, February through like April, May is booking season. Then May on is shooting time and and wedding time, execution time. So let's talk a little bit today about some things that you should be thinking about during this really, um, I don't know, what would you call it? This really like advantageous time. Yeah. Go for it, Dan. You want to start? You came up with a really nice... um, a very organized list. You're already on top of it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's a really good time to start auditing your business. Um, look at data from last year. Evaluate where you're profitable, where you're not. Did you track your time, like, per client so you can really figure out what your hourly rate is? Yeah. I think, you know, when we say audit your business, um, what that really means is look at it for like, a very like objective lens, you know, um, it might help for you. Cause I mean, our clients are, um, female small business owners who are looking to create a lot of independence and, um, flexibility in their careers. Right. And so your, your needs and your goals might change throughout the course of your business lifetime. So examine, how do you feel? And, and remember we're like third year post COVID right now, um, how do you feel like mentally? We talk about wellness a lot because I think it's a really huge part. When you are a sole proprietor, you are the business. So do you feel like your year was rejuvenating for you? Did you have your creative juices flowing again? Did you feel wiped out? Did you feel very um, overwhelmed? Think about it. Think about how it made you feel as a person. And even better, if you can go through your client list and go through each one of them and say, smiley face, sad face, like just try to figure out which ones specifically really fulfilled you and which ones didn't. And then dig deeper. Why? Why did this one fulfill me? Why was this client so hard to work with? Right? Because once you identify those data points, you'll be much better able to narrow where you're, um, where you're headed and what you should be looking for in your dream client. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent advice. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, just, I think that's great advice. Um, 
yeah, leaning towards, I guess, you know, really like tracking the data, like you said, and seeing where did these clients come from, the ones that you really enjoyed working with compared to the ones that you didn't enjoy working with and seeing if you're really targeting the right um, clients, you're getting what you're looking for. Yeah. If you're not asking on your um, intake form or your contact form, how did you find me? Add that right now. Pause the podcast. Add it right now. You need to know where your traffic is coming from so that you can make the most out of your um, out of your ad spends or your time. As far as tracking your time, um, you know, we've talked about this in Instagram posts and in other episodes, but we can't stress enough like how important it is to track the actual time that you're working with a client. Remember, if you're working in HoneyBook or Dubsado or ClickUp, um, there is an option to track your time. So it's important to track your time per each client. That way you can see which package or which um, sale was very profitable and which ones are not profitable in a very objective way. You might have um, a lot of clients sign up for your highest package, which might have the highest dollar amount, but the amount of work, time, you know, communication, as well as overhead that goes in that package might actually be your least um, profitable package. But you'll only know that if you actually track your measurables. Yeah. Um, you know, you also have here, like, which package did you sell the most of and which did you sell the least of and not at all? And many, um, vendors are kind of not locked into, but fixated on this idea that you have to have multi-tier packages. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Deanna? As like a consumer, from a consumer point of view, what do you think about having multi-tier packages? I think if there's too many, it's overwhelming, um, for sure. Like you really don't know which one you should choose. Um, I think having options is good, but just a small amount, maybe like three max. Um, that way, you know, you could. It's just not <laughs> overwhelming. Like I think that's that's how I feel about it too. Because especially if you're in a, um, as a consumer, like in a sales pressure type of situation, or you know, just remember that for the majority of our clients' clients, these people are planning a wedding for the very, very first time. Mm-hmm. And so they're not familiar with the policies and they're not familiar with like the uh, customs in um, hiring a wedding professional. So if you have things that are, you know, services that are not completely self-explanatory, like for example, um, planning meeting, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? If you have items in there that are not on its face, very descriptive, you want to take some time to um, be clear about what that service is. And that's number one. Number two, back to what you're saying about the number of packages, absolutely. You want to make it um, no more than three because I think any more than that is definitely overwhelming. Mm-hmm. There, There is, you know, um, a pricing strategy that a lot of people – Uh, put into their packages, but that only works if you track your data and that way you know which package to steer your clients to. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, one of the best pieces of advice that I got from a photographer, a veteran photographer, a few years into my business, um, I'll shout him out, Ed Pingle out in the Bay Area. He's wonderful. He's one of the early photographers that I worked with, but, you know, he gave me a really good piece of advice, which is get rid of your packages and have one base package. And once I did that, it just made booking so much easier for me and for my clients. You know, um, my clients know this because I talk about this a lot, but like if you set your base package to be what is the absolute minimum that you need to do your job well. So for example, if you're someone who needs to have a second shooter every time, make that part of your base package, non-negotiable. Yeah. Okay? Um, and how many hours are you willing to, like, what's the maximum number of hours that you're willing to work for the minimum amount of pay? You know, um, what is your get out of bed number? Okay. After that, everything else is an add-on. Yeah. Um, personally, engagement sessions were a must for me. I really needed engagement sessions to make sure that I had a good rapport with my clients, but that's not, that's something that isn't always possible because 
Some of my clients were from abroad and they wouldn't be there until just before the wedding. In that situation, we often did try to do an engagement session like when they got into the country to shoot the wedding. Um, So we'll do like a day before the wedding if we could. But if not, if worse comes to worse, then that's like um, an optional additional hour at your wedding instead. But no one really exercised that. Why? Because the pricing was such that it was cheaper to buy the extra hour and do the engagement session than to switch them Mm -hmm. because I wanted them to do the engagement session. Um, Okay. I really like that because I think a lot of times too people try to, I imagine, um, like haggle with you or like customize customize things more, you know, or like, oh, well, can we take out these things and you can charge me less? But if you know, like, this is my my base and I I won't do less. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think I didn't get a lot of haggling um, beyond the first couple of years personally, mm-hmm. just because, and I, I do really think that this comes down to like personality and verbosity. Like I just did not get a lot of clients who are <laughs> willing to try to haggle with me, I think. Yeah. Um, but I know that happens a lot to many of our clients, right? And they, and so many of our clients want to bend over backwards for their client that they kind of back themselves into a corner and say, oh yeah, absolutely. I'll accommodate you. And then sadly, they kind of feel bad about it later. Like, oh man, I know I kind of need to get paid. So doing this does take that out. And there are some ways to get around um, the haggling if if you want to keep your packages. The first easy thing you can do is instead of saying six hours, eight hours, 10 hours, just say up to this amount of time. That way they're like, well, what if we don't use all your hours? You can say it says up to this amount of time. So if you don't mm-hmm. use it, you lose it. It's not like you're guaranteed a minimum seven hours. Like I'm not – if you have to end it early, then you end it early, whatever, right? Um, and then typically too with like the having the one base package, those are those are all the things that the client wants as well. So many of my clients do want the engagement session. Many of them want the second shooter. Many of them want the digital gallery. The things that they're kind of – the you know, the points that are really up in the air for clients are – digital like digital versus physical prints um an album um those are the things that are that seem extravagant to a lot of people these days because of how easy it is to get access to commercial grade printing you know minted um shutterfly and oh what's the other one from miller's um not tiny prints. There's another one from Miller's that escapes me right now, but there's a lot of good photo labs that are readily available to people. And it's, it's not half bad. It's not like everybody's going to Costco or or Walgreens anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to that end, if you are going to offer physical, physical work, you want to make sure that you are setting yourself apart from what's available on the commercial market, right? On the consumer market. So if that is, um, let's see, like fine art, um, print boxes, which I personally love those. I love those. My clients love those. That is something that I could upsell with, um, albums, albums that are of far different quality than what's available on the consumer market. And if you want to sell those physicals, you have to have samples. The clients cannot buy what they haven't seen before. And I think kind of um, related to that, you know, like you said, if, if you're not tracking your time, then you can't really see um, which packages are profitable. And also you might then start um, experiencing burnout because you're just working too much and, you know, you might not even be getting compensated fairly for it. Um, you might want to think about booking fewer events this coming year and, increasing your prices? I mean, that is um, probably one of the scariest propositions you can give to a creative business <laughs> owner. It's it's so true, right? Like, and that's the goal. The goal is not to be booked and busy, you know, despite the um, hashtag going around right now. The goal is to shoot fewer weddings or to work fewer weddings at a higher rate of return. If, you know, I strive to get to the point where I could shoot like 12 weddings a year and be like, that's my year, you know? Um, But I know that's a huge ask for a majority of wedding vendors and and many people really enjoy it. That doesn't mean that you're not working on other projects while you're doing this. This, You could still be doing a lot of 
um, commercial projects or styled shoots or whatever you enjoy, like what does bring you joy, right? Um, But as far as like burnout goes and, and raising your prices, something I encourage you to do is just do it. Just try it. You know, if you find that you were booking um, a number of weddings that was beyond your comfort point, right? Uh, maybe you booked five more weddings than you really should have and you didn't realize that until you got to the end of the year. Increase your prices. Increase mm-hmm. your prices so that you can get back down to five fewer weddings that year. Um there is this mental block for sure when you increase your prices and all of my clients definitely were like, are you crazy? Like this is, Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, no, all of my clients have a fear of increasing their pricing because there's this, um, insecurity. I think that you're going to be rejected by the market. And then what are you going to do? You're going to end up on the street. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I, I encourage you just to try it. Just do it. You know? Yeah. Just do it. Um, It's kind of like when clients get our contract, which is very robust. And for for many of our clients, it's the first time they've ever had a professional contract. And they're just a little bit like overwhelmed by it. Um, Don't be apologetic. You know? What this is, is your actual business policies that you already have in place just written down for you. So don't be ashamed of it, own it. And because, you know, we do consultations with clients after they get their um, contracts and they're very confident in their contracts, they can own it. But same thing with your pricing, right? This is what you really are worth. Own it. If you can't afford it, then that's okay. But I'll tell you a story. (laughs) This this might help. Um, When I started out as an attorney, you know, I worked in a law firm that um, trusted me to open up their San Francisco office. So I was fresh out of law school, managing attorney at a law office in San Francisco, like their satellite office. And I was getting kind of burned out because I had a lot of cases. And I remember um, a person came in who needed some help with a case. And this was a pretty standard case. They were being sued for a debt, actually. And you know, I said, this is pretty basic. This is something that um, we normally do. Here are our rates. It's a flat fee structure, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And she came back to me in an email and said, okay, well, I found this other attorney who can do it the same thing for this amount. Could you meet that price? And after about 10 minutes of like pure rage, (laughs) just pure rage and like venting with my coworkers, I I wrote back to her and let her know what, what was up, you know, because part of it too was that this person lived, you know, her address was like up in Russian Hill, which is like major, majorly bougie um, apartments. And like her rent was like triple my <laughs> own rent at the time. I was like, what the fuck? But yeah, I wrote back to her and said, you know, I understand the temptation to bargain shop this time of year because it was Christmas, um, meaning that I know that everybody stretched a little bit thin. However, I know the value of my work and um, I will not be lowering my prices for your business. Good luck. I hope that everything works out for you. Um, please keep us in mind if you ever need help in the future. And I sent that off. And within, God, 20 minutes, she turned around and booked me and paid the full fee. You know, yeah, because yeah, value yourself, yeah, value yourself, know your worth, and say it, Mm -hmm. say it. You're not missing out on anything if you're working with a client who doesn't understand your value. Um, So true, okay. Then I think also just another thing, too, and we've talked about this on other podcasts about along with the burnout, um, if you can afford. You can afford to, you should hire help, whether that's in for your personal life, like someone to, you know, help watch your kids while you're working, um, you know, help clean your house or, um, you know, someone to help you with administrative stuff for your business. You should do it. Yeah. I mean, tax time is coming up. Um, I know that we all think it's in April, but it's really, you should be doing it now. Okay. I'm just going to put that out there. Start thinking about your taxes now. And if you need a tax recommendation, reach out to us. We have a couple of people that we like, um, 
who are tax accountants that are familiar with working with small businesses and creatives. Okay. Um, this kind of goes back to the idea that you were talking about in the beginning, Deanna, right? With like auditing yourself mm -hmm. and really identifying the parts of your business that work and don't work for you. Because if you don't know where you need help in your business, you can't look for the right kind of help. So whether that is um, a virtual personal assistant who can help you with client communication in the very beginning when they do the intake or um, maybe like an a, a assistant photographer who can help you with placing orders with your print companies if you are doing like fine art photography, whatever that is, you have to identify the thing that is costing you the most time and it's not really a good use of your time. Yeah. Are you spending time coding your, your website or, or working on your website when you hate doing that and it's not great? Hire a graphic designer. You know, just like you, graphic designers are worth their weight in gold. Um, if you don't enjoy that work, hire a professional to do it. Yeah. Yeah. All the time you're spending doing those things that you don't enjoy doing or just really like aren't part of your craft. Yeah. Um, if you can't afford to hire someone else to do that, you're probably going to end up making even more um, money in the long run. Exactly. It is a better return on investment for sure. Um, also, let us know if you need um, a good designer. We've got a couple in our pocket that we absolutely love. Um, and I'll tell you that like after years of doing my own design and then working with a graphic designer, like it was just a night and day difference. Okay. And for the next um, thing you should consider, let's talk about recognizing yourself and celebrating your successes while still learning from your failures, right? This comes down to being really honest with yourself. What do you think about this, Deanna? I think that's extremely important. Um, you know, you probably don't even realize how many successes that you had last year because you're just constantly moving forward and going on to the next thing. Um, but I think it's a great time to go back, kind of like Desiree mentioned before, and, you know, go through all of your clients and make the smiley face <laughs> Um, and the sad face on some of them. Um, so, you know, you could really figure out what, you, what you're doing right and also, you know, what you can improve on. I think the other part of this, um, maybe it's cliche, but I think that social media kind of disrupts this really important skill or this really important practice that you should be doing. I think there's a lot of comparisons on social media that are just really easy to make because it's in your face all the time. But remember, you're you're competing with yourself. You're not competing with, you know, the the florist next door. You're competing mm -hmm. with yourself and what you can offer. Once you understand that you're only competing with yourself, you will be in a completely different market with your clients. Because your clients will want you and not a generic vendor per se. Yeah. And guess what? When you're just competing against yourself, it's a much smaller pool of competition. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like go back even more than just last year, go back a few years, go back to when you started. And I think you would be amazed and your confidence would just shoot right up to see like how far you've come. Yeah. And I think if you're going back a few years, you'll probably be able to identify changes that you made unintentionally that, you know, really helped you help prepare your business. Um, so, you know, the other half of that is identifying your failures and a failure, you know, to me, there's like an objective and subjective point of view when it comes to like successes, but failures are something that at least to me are very subjective, right? Even if something was a win on paper, it might feel like a failure to mm -hmm. you because that's not what you necessarily intended. But what can you learn from that failure? Um, if there's anything we've learned from the last three years, it's that nothing is guaranteed, right? Yeah. Things are constantly shifting. Um, for all of my moms out there, you know what I'm talking about. The the canceling plans, um, nine out of 10 times, like that's just something that has to happen now because you never know when your kids are going to be sick or, you know, the drive-through zoo that you planned to do got canceled because of something, you know, you just have to pivot a lot. And so- Try to be able to really take away positive things from your failures. Frankly, for me, it's been the ability to pivot and be very flexible. So now that you have audited your business, 
right? You've looked at your numbers, you've looked at your job satisfaction, you've learned what you might want to do differently. Um, You've kind of identified areas that need change or improvement or removal from your business. The next thing you got to be thinking about in the short amount of time that you have in January is setting goals or intentions based on the data that you just found and a really honest assessment of your own mental well-being, right? So taking all of that information in, what do you want from this year? How do you want to feel? How much money do you need to make? How, what does satisfaction look like for you, right? Mm-hmm. Once you've identified everything in your audit, it's much, much, much easier to set your intentions for the year. Yeah, like as we talked about previously, Desiree was talking about setting her goals in um, quarters, doing it quarterly. I, th- I think that's a great idea, just th- doing the small chunks so you don't feel overwhelmed. And I think that also goes with pivoting. So, you know, right. after the first quarter, things change, your goals change, <laughs> you know, you pivot and then you work on the second quarter goals. Right. Yeah. I think also the thing with the small chunks too, that's really nice is that um, you you have to give yourself a fair try. You know, nothing comes easy. They say that like, you might not like this new food that you tried the first time or the second time or the third time. It might take up to 10 times for you or your kid, really, to really um, start to appreciate the taste of bell peppers, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to give it enough time for it to, like, try to work out, right? And I think that three months is a good amount of time to, at least for me, in terms of, like, um, smaller business things, right, Um, to to try things out and really give it a fair shot. So – in that quarter, you should really like commit to what you're doing in that quarter. And then at the end of the quarter, doing a small audit, like a mini audit and say, did mm-hmm. that work for me? Did I like that? What can I tweak? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because you don't want to just say, oh, well, I already set my goals for the year. And even though I hate this or it's not working for me, I have to stick to it. You don't have yeah. to. No, you definitely don't have to, but you have to be really, you know, <laughs> I hate I think it's, you know, it's so funny, right? What Kylie said back in 2019 or whatever that was, but like, this is a year of realization, of realizing things. Um, and and don't get me wrong, I love the Kardashians, okay? That's where I stand on that. I love the Kardashians. But this really, if you're not already doing this for your business, this should be your year of realization and really looking inward. And um and really investing in yourself in a way that is efficient and valuable, not like superficial. Mm-hmm. So when you're setting your quarterly intentions and you're looking back at your audit, you want to think about, okay, so if I know that the brides who found me on Wedding Wire tend to be – you know, they tend to ask more of these kind of questions probably because there's an article in Wedding Wire that says – questions you must ask your fill in the blank you and you're getting a lot of your business from there then maybe you set up a page like an FAQ page that answers those questions already so that when you get inquiries from there you could have a a template email that goes to those brides saying that um and if you have any further questions check out this page blah 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 I set it up so that my template email to new inquiries Um, covered all of their questions, you know, like here's step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, how to book me, right? Um, And for me, that was kind of a litmus test. If they can follow all those instructions, then I'm probably going to like working with them. But if they miss like one or two, all right, no problem. If they didn't do any of it, or they didn't do the crucial parts, like review my portfolio with your fiance, it's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. So that in and of itself was just like, a litmus test for me to see if I wanted to work with a client to begin with. Yeah. So next thing we're going to talk about is getting organized. And first we're going to talk about um, getting organized with your taxes. So yeah, you... taxes, <laughs> the, you know, the most fun topic that we <laughs> start with. Um, remember, we're not accountants, we're attorneys. So taxes are not as exciting to us as you might think. Um, 
which is why we have professionals that we also can recommend to you if you're looking for a tax accountant. Okay. Mentioned that earlier. Do not hesitate to reach out because taxes are super important and you want to make sure you're getting it done right. Okay. So that being said, nothing in this segment or really anything that we see on this podcast is any type of advice. Okay. But specifically we are not tax accountants. And so um, the, the information or tips that we're giving you is really based on our own personal experience or um, just our own personal tips, but it should not be taken as any kind of advice because you might have a different type of business entity for which this might not apply. Okay. So now that we have that disclosure out of the way, let's hit it. Yep. So, you know, a good way to get ready for the tax season is to um, start now getting organized and also, you know, in the future, um, if you get organized now, doing your taxes is going to be a lot easier, um, a lot less time consuming, and you won't dread it as much. So so I hope that, you know, for a lot of our clients, you already, this is like old news, um, but, you know, great, good for you. We're not talking to you. <laughs> for the people who do not have it ready, for a lot of the new businesses who maybe this is the first time you're running a business and you don't know how to organize your files, you just know that you need to organize them. Um, We're going to give you some good tips right now. Um, First thing is that if you haven't organized your documents, sorry, that's Penny, everybody. Um, If you haven't organized your documents, you're going going to want to do that for your last year, 2022. And in doing this hellish practice, you'll be ready for 2023. Okay, so that's the good news. Um. Before you get started, let's talk about how to prepare for the hard part, Deanna. You want to talk about files and and naming them and everything? Yep. So a good way, you know, to get organized is to create a master folder um, and then, you know, for your taxes. And then inside there, you would, um, you know, have a folder for your, um, the different tax categories. So So a good, a good rule of thumb is that anything that you deduct from your income, you know, any deductions that you're taking from your income for your tax purposes, you should have a receipt, okay? And there are really two categories that we're thinking of right now when we're saying deductions. That's cost of goods sold, COGS, and expenses. Mm -hmm. Those are two different areas of your tax forms if you are um, like a small business filling out a Schedule C, okay? So, We'll separate those categories for you, but just as a rule of thumb, anything that you're going to deduct from your taxes, make sure you have those receipts. Yeah. So you would have a, let's say you have like a master folder called accounting um, and receipts. Then you would have a subfolder for receipts. And then you'd have another subfolder for the category. Um, Example would be like your um, travel expenses, marketing and advertising, your mileage. Um, so you would have a different folder for all of those. And again, you can get those, we said, on Schedule C for a sole proprietor. Yeah. So you would have your folders. So in the receipts master folder, you would have different categories of expenses. And because, you know, if you're a sole proprietor, you're using Schedule C most likely. Um, under Part 2 of Schedule C, it lists out the different categories of expenses that you would take for your business. Look at those categories. Look at the ones that are most applicable to your business. So there's advertising costs, which is, you know, our websites, our ad spends. Um, There's travel costs. There is food expenses. There's entertainment expenses. So if you're taking clients out to, you know, get business, that would count. Um, I will note, though, that some of these categories, you only get up to 50% of that category deducted. Like entertainment, that is 50%, not the entire receipt. Um, So look at... Look at Schedule C, look at Part 2, look at those expenses, take each of those categories and make those into separate folders. And throughout the year, you want to drop the receipts into those folders. That way, it's very organized for your accountant or for yourself later on, um, especially if you get audited. Okay? Yep. And you might want to, if you're not doing this already, um, digitize your receipts. So, you know, get an app on your phone. I think even um, in the notes, if you have an Apple uh, iPhone, you can just scan or take a photo of the receipt right away so you don't lose it and um, also like, you know, name it in a, a way that you know what it is. Um, so this took me like 
four years to learn because, um, you know, in doing my own taxes, I was like, oh my God, it should be much faster than this. But, you know, I have an accounting, like an Excel sheet where I keep track of all of my um, income and expenditures and cost of goods and contractors and everything like that. In order for me to get the summary, the numbers that I need to put on my tax forms, I need to input them into each category. So instead of opening each receipt one by one, I would take, for example, let's talk about Adobe Photoshop, right? We all have an Adobe Photoshop subscription and um, you pay monthly. So it would be named as 1-2022-January, then the day that I paid and the amount that I paid. And that way I can look at just the file name to input into my accounting sheet without having to open the document completely. So this way you're opening the document one time, you're getting that information, putting it in the file name, and then dropping it into your accounting sheet. And I'm old school, so I was using like an Excel sheet. I know some people are using QuickBooks, which is, I've heard, much easier, but there is a learning curve. Oh, and then also you want to also organize your paid invoices. And if you um, have a high volume of transactions, you definitely want to try to stay in one platform for all of your invoices. Yeah. And so invoices refers to like the income that you're generating for your business. So I know many of our clients accept check, cash, credit card, and that's great. But the problem is that it's kind of hard to keep track of the the payments that you receive from your clients if you have a high volume of clients. Um, if you are doing that, you do have a high volume of clients, you want to make sure that you're noting your method of payment that way like on an accounting sheet with just like a summary of all of your clients so that you can, you know, find it easier. For me, by the by the end of my um, photography business, I was doing everything on Square, even though there's like a, you know, they take a percentage of your fees and everything like that. I found it easier to use just Square in like one location so that I can pull my report very easily and see what was the total charge, what was the taxes, what were the sub, the, the fee surcharges mm -hmm. and really organize that clearly for my um, accountant. Yeah. And I think, I know it's not always easy to do, but really trying to, like you said, with the receipts, um, do it as soon as, you know, as soon as you get the receipt. Try as soon to, as they um, come in. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, I didn't even do that because <laughs> <laughs> once you get into the season, it's like you're flying by the seat of your pants. So if you can do yourself a favor and at least just make it as easy for you as possible for the end of the year, that's why I like would name them like every six months, you know, go through my mm -hmm. streets, download them and name them the way that I did. That way it's like half the work when you get to, you know, the, the filing time. So just to recap that section, importantly, Remember, we are not tax accountants and we're not tax attorneys. So you really should consult with um, a professional, a tax professional to get the scoop on your specific business. Because as I mentioned, not every deduction is going to be 100% of that receipt, right? You cannot deduct 100% of your entertainment expenses with your clients. You can only deduct up to 50%. Same thing with gifts. There's a limit. We, we give gifts to our clients when they book with us usually. You can only deduct up to a certain dollar amount of that gift value, not the entire thing, not 50%, depending on how much it is. Um, so keep that in mind because that might shift how you do gifts to your clients when they sign up with you. But you want to um, check for yourself because there's also different forms. If you are an LLC, you wouldn't be using Schedule C. You'd be using a different form, Schedule K. All right? Okay. So let's talk about some of the other like smaller things that you can do to streamline communication with your clients in your business, how to organize your work so that you can um, communicate more easily. Yeah. So, you know, you might want to um, try to automate more processes. Like for example, if let's say, you know, somebody fills out a form on your website, then, you know, automatically a um, email would be sent to them and then, um, when they respond to that email, you would already have a template um, created. Like if you're using Google, um, there's a way to create templates and then you can just, you know, go in your inbox and find that template, you know, put the the client's name and, you know, hit send. So you don't have to, you know, type that email every time over and over again. And you might forget something. 
So it's always good to use an email template because that way, you know, it has all of the information. Okay. So if you're using um, the personal version of Google, you're not able to make a template in the email document itself. But what you can do is create just a Word document or a Google document with um, the template that you'd want it to have and then just copy paste it every time. If you were on the business account, like the business version of Google to power your email, um, there's this really nifty thing where if you open up Compose, like you're going to write a new email, there's three dots next to the trash can that says more options. Mm -hmm. Click on that and then right below like the second um, option after default to full screen is templates. And then there is a way to um, create a template. Um, write your email the way that you want it. You know, the so it's broad and generic to like dear. And then I don't actually put brackets there. I just like dear and then make a space and then write a comma. And then the information that I want in there, including the subject line. Um the reason I don't do brackets is because if you have that in your template, you still have to go back and delete them. Whereas I know where I need to fill it in. And then I just write in like the name of the person with it. I don't know. It just saves me a little bit more time. So after you've finished drafting that template email, you'll go into that templates option there and then click save draft as template. And then it'll say, give you the option to overwrite some of your existing templates or save as a new template. So, that means you can have multiple templates, right? I have a template for new inquiries. I have a template for um, completed folders, completed um, clients, essentially. Um, I have a template for styled shoots, etc. Okay, that really does help me streamline, especially for the intake, um, intaking to clients, because you want to give them a lot of information in that first email. Don't hide the ball. Like no one has time for that anymore. I, I do feel like hiding your prices these days is mm, not a good best practice, in my opinion. I think people are just like not here for that anymore and they don't have time to waste. Yeah. Um, I think another category with getting organized is making sure calendar's up to date. And I know that I haven't personally tried it yet. It's um, on my to-do list, but there are um, like Google um, like app scripts that you can take like a Google sheet and then take all those, the dates from your Google sheet with the event and then it like automatically populates your calendar. So I plan on trying that because I think that'd be extremely helpful. Oh, that's awesome. Let me know if that works because that would really help streamline my life too. I have a yeah. lot of appointments. Yeah. That's cool. Um. You guess, yeah, automating reminders um, on your calendar. Yes. Try to, you know, test that you can, you know, automate so you don't need to physically every time go send a calendar reminder. Um, yeah. Important. You know, and that whole, like, automating reminders is really important, too, because, like, a lot of – the nice thing is, like, a lot of apps like Square has um, send automatic reminder, like, a week before the invoices do or whatever you want. You can customize that part. So that's – I really like that because the reminder is coming from Square and not me. Yep. <laughs> um, and then same thing with HelloSign, which is my preferred um, signing platform. I really like HelloSign a lot. I don't like using a CRM to sign clients. Um, I don't think those are as reliable or as easy to use as just a dedicated signing service like HelloSign. Um which you should try because you get three free documents every month. Um, and that way there's no risk. And if you like it, upgrade because I, I think it's worth it. And that yeah. would also be an expense just so you know. Um, but what were we talking about? Oh, yes. Back to like automation. If you know, for example, that like maybe you're a floral designer after you sign your client, you know that you want to get back in touch with them to finalize like a – design plan, like typically six months before the wedding or whatever it is, right? You can schedule send an email as well to your client. And I really recommend that you do that ahead of time because number one, if you just sign that client, you'll be top of mind. Like you'll already have, it, it'll be fresh in your mind what kind of concept they want, some of the nuances about that wedding so that you can make that email a lot more personal to the client. 
And then, of course, number two, the benefit is that you don't have to think about it around that time because who knows how busy you'll be. So, you know, the next thing that you want to organize is your marketing, right? Speaking of auditing, is your website up to date? Is your portfolio up to date? Is your social media up to date? Um, Have you reached out to your most recent clients to get testimonials? Ask yourself those questions right now. Um, It is the best time to reach out to clients for testimonials just because we're after the holidays. Um, We're like a couple weeks into the new year already, so there's no like overwhelm with work and everything. It is a good time to reach out and get testimonials and say, hey, I'm updating my website and I'd love it if you could share your experience about me. Um, Do remember though that testimonials kind of fall into the right of privacy issue. So you definitely want to have their permission to share their testimonials on your specific web page. Okay. If they're sharing it elsewhere, like on Yelp or on Wedding Wire or the Knot, whatever, those the terms of use are built into those platforms. So they don't need model releases per se, but you will need one if you're going to share one with them from them. And I guess you could also build that right into your contract. Yes, it should be built into your contract. But if you are a vendor who doesn't use a model release, like um, floral designer or a planner, Mm -hmm. um, hair makeup artists, those folks don't typically have model releases, although you should have one if you're a hair makeup artist because you're probably using their pictures. Um, If you don't have that, then, you know, definitely get one. You can get one from Creative's Legal Resource that's ready to go. But yeah, you want a model release to be able to use their information, their personal information. Otherwise, if you are trying to take it from elsewhere, like, for example, taking a review, like a good review from WeddingWire, um, you could copy it from WeddingWire and list the initials or make up the initials if you want to, but keep track of, like, who said that. That way of a client, you know, prospective client wants to know who said that and that client is open to doing it, your past client, then you can let them know exactly who said that about you. Basically, you just want to be mindful of people's privacy unless you have their permission to share it. Just because, you know, everything is on the internet these days. Mm -hmm. You might also want to use um, this, you know, prep time in January to create a few weeks or a few months of social media posts just so, you know, when you get really busy, it it might be hard to to post. So you can do it in advance. And there's apps for that, too, and software. You know, um, later is one of the most uh, popular ones. That's one that I use. Um, I think what's the out? Hootsuite is another one that people pay for. And that way you can use it across many platforms. I think you can do that with later as well. Whatever it is that works best for you, go for it. Personally, as you guys know, um, I've fallen majorly, majorly behind in my social media posts for Creative's Legal Resource. Um, But when I was posting more regularly, that's definitely something that was helpful. The only... Um, problem that I ran into was that like I would have topics um, maybe two weeks out in advance, but then something would happen in the news that was more timely to talk about. So then it kind of shifts the discussion. And that would make it difficult because a lot of times I would plan posts to kind of relate to each other. So then you'd kind of like have this middle random post about like some recent news article and then jump back into like, so three posts ago, this is what I talked about. Yeah. I, I know that that's more a me problem than um, a problem for my audience or clients. So I'm admitting to you all right now that I'm going to try to let go of that perfectionism and go with it. Because while that's not something that's ideal for me, it's something that I can't really control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I encourage you to think about that. Think about it that way too, because the reality is that done is better than perfect, right? Because Right now, I'm not putting any content out just out of being paralyzed by, like, lack of perfection. Mm-hmm. And I, I know – did you hear that, ladies? <laughs> paralyzed by lack of perfection. I know yeah. I'm not the only one, okay? Yeah, I'm there too. <laughs> Don't at me. <laughs> yeah. I think other thing um, 
guess kind of goes along with this too is how we talked about earlier in the show um, when you do your audit and knowing really like um, maybe where you're getting your clients from if you see you're getting a lot of clients from um, a certain social media platform or um, some place that you're advertising or a way you're advertising um, you know just do more of that if it's working I mean and don't get frustrated by the algorithm I mean that's out of your control right if you're so this should be your mantra for 2023, okay? What is not in my control is something that I'm not going to worry about. Yeah. Right. We can't control how the algorithm works on Instagram. We can't control Elon Musk and his his Twitter plans. Um, we can't control TikTok and whether or not it's going to be here next year or in the next month. But what we care about is just getting the work out, right? Just keep on pumping it out. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So super important, I think we're saving kind of the best for around the last right now, <laughs> which we probably should have opened with this because it's really important. So if you made it to here, you're, you're golden. Yeah. If you didn't make it to here, we're probably going to see you in the next couple months when you're like, oh my God. Um, so now is the time to review your contract. Review and update your contracts. Many times people start out with a template that they got somewhere because they just, you know, starting your business, it's kind of expensive to hire an attorney, not us, just mind you, but um, that's usually a barrier to entry for a lot of people. So they're kind of getting by with whatever HoneyBook is giving them. Mm-hmm. I will tell you right now, and Deanna, you can you can <laughs> attest because we've seen this, that the free templates that you're getting from your CRM and... Um, a lot of the templates that are coming from like major brands, photographers, especially the ones that are not based in the state, are almost worse than not having anything. Because people who use those tend to think that they're covered and that they don't have to worry. The reality is, is that many of those contracts are crap. I'm just going to say it. Like they're just garbage. It's a it's an added selling point for you to buy into whatever it is that you bought. You know, it's like a freebie and that's really what it's worth. You get what you pay for. So make sure you read your contracts and you understand what it says. Okay. Do you know what arbitration is? Do you know what your duties and responsibilities are when it comes to arbitration if you are the business and your client is a consumer? In California, you got to pay for that. If you have an arbitration clause and you want to use it, you're gonna, you're you, the business, are gonna have to pay for that, not your client. Yep. Okay. So understand your contract. Make sure that there's also all of the policies that are part of your business in your contract. So many contracts don't have things like meals or breaks are required, dangerous conditions. Um, artistic discretion, right? Uh, Turnaround time. These are things that you really have to think about. For our floral designers, um, your, the, the percentage of allowance for fluctuation in prices. What is the policy around changing designs um, closer to the event? Are you charging for each revision after a certain amount of time? The idea of a contract is, you know, multifold. One being that it protects you and your client from any kind of misunderstandings and disagreements. It is a written version of whatever your internal policies already are. You're just articulating that to the world and putting that in writing so that everyone understands it. Many times the contracts that I provide my clients, I mentioned earlier, are, are very long and robust, but it's because those are the policies of the business. And you can't expect your client to know what your business policies are, especially if this is the first time they're ever planning a wedding. Um, So you got to really put that in writing. You shouldn't have to hide your policies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's really important to like things have come up. We've seen in the last year with um, like, for example, a contract that doesn't say um, attorney fees were included where maybe like a client has a really strong case, but, it's not worth going to, to court over because they can't get their attorney's fees paid. Yeah. 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 When you have to litigate something, the fees are different because um, especially if it's going to go to trial because the trial prep takes a long time. Everything leading up to trial prep is 
you know, that's something that we could do potentially on a flat fee because it's not as onerous, but trial prep is a beast. So that would be on an hourly basis. Um, and most attorneys don't really charge on a flat fee structure. Um, we do just to kind of remove that barrier for people. Um, you know, we really want people to make sure that they're getting professional legal help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I've definitely seen contracts too. Um, when there's no, um, nothing differentiating between like a cancellation and a reschedule or most, really that's a majority. <laughs> yeah. That's a majority of all of the contracts that I saw that were not mine. It's like, there's no differentiation between cancellation and reschedule. Um, it, you know, mostly in the pandemic because there was such a high volume of people that needed help um, when I was right after the pandemic started. But traditionally, even before that, when you are updating your contracts and you're revamping them, many times you already have existing clients. And so you need to kind of re-sign with that client under this new agreement. Um, You also would want to re-sign with your clients if you have formed an LLC or a different business entity because the, the parties that are in that contract are now the client and the business entity, not you personally. Mm-hmm. So if you got to think about how many open client cases you have right now that you want to have under your new agreement. And it's only going to, that number is only going to go up once booking season gets going, right? So you don't want to wait um, very long. Like this is kind of the busy season for for us, um, for me, back when I was doing this more, it's like this is the busy season for me. And that means that if you're waiting to, let's say you approach me in February or March and you need a new contract but because you have like a client who's waiting to book you right now, that's a big risk because, you know, I we try to keep our turnaround time to um, under two weeks, but it's busy. <laughs> it gets busy and it gets really, really hard for us to do that. And we don't want you to lose your business. So um, if you are in that limbo, one thing I tell my clients is that um, I just want you to know that I'm currently having my contract redrafted by a professional attorney. And um, what I'm going to do is put a soft hold on your date until I can get the contract. And that way they don't have to worry about losing the date with you and you don't have to worry about losing the client. Okay. Um, But because of that, just remember that this is not a, a template type of thing. Um, we do offer templates and you can, if you're really in a pinch, you can get started with that. But I always, always, always recommend, even with my templates, that you have um, an attorney licensed in your state, look at it and make sure that it works for your state. These are state specific and Deanna and I are licensed in California. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just also um, in addition to, you know, looking at your um, client contracts, also contracts with um second shooters and associate photographers as well. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be really clear about your policies and, and, you know, can't stress it enough. Don't hide the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever watched judge Million, you know, there, there has to be a meeting of the minds in the contract in order for it to be enforceable. So if you're hiding the ball and trying to um, take advantage of potential confusion, you might not have a contract at all. It might undo it entirely. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're on the same page. Be transparent. Do everyone a favor. If you want, if you like transparency yourself, then you know, be courteous and provide transparency to your clients and your um, colleagues. Um, and then we'll just touch briefly on forming an LLC because I, I think we have a whole episode on LLCs. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, from um, August. So you know, with forming an LLC, I I always say that it's a must regardless of where you are in your business, if you own property, especially in California, because property is huge, even with the the first time decline in um, market value in 10 years. Congratulations to me who just bought a house. <laughs> Wonderful. My timing has always been perfect. Um, you know, if you have property and you run a business, you really want to put a fence between those two assets and um, potential liabilities. So think about that. And if you are planning on on creating an LLC, remember, like I mentioned earlier, your LLC is the entity that will be signing with your clients. So you might need to re-sign contracts with your clients under a different entity. Okay? Just plan for that. Um, a, a really important thing, like I've seen 
a few services pop up about like creating LLCs and and how easy it is. Obviously, LegalZoom's done it for a long time, but there's um I can't remember the name of it, but there are other entities that are doing that too, where it's like, oh, it's so easy to create an LLC. I think I saw it on Instagram. Remember, you need to have an operating agreement, and an operating agreement is not easy to do. You you do want it drafted by an attorney, not by a bot or an accountant or somebody who isn't familiar with the practices, because the operating agreement is the heart and soul of your LLC. If you don't have one or if you have a sham one, you don't actually have an LLC. You have a shell corporation. And what that does is it removes that fence between your personal assets and your business liabilities and vice versa. So it's it's like having no fence at all. I think that's – we should probably stop it there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if there's more, we will probably have a second episode. But let us know what you think about this. We really want to know – are these helpful? Are these episodes helpful for you? I, like, I'm really curious. We, we do have a lot of listeners, but we're not getting – it's hard for us to, like, not have a two-way conversation with people to see if this is relevant or if this is helpful. So um, we're going we, – we've started a Slack group, um, and everyone is invited to join. Keep in mind that Deanna and I um, have carte blanche over removing users, and we will do so indiscriminately if there's any problems. Um, we don't have time for that shit. So, you know, for all of the the wedding creative professionals who are looking at communicating with us more directly, maybe not on social media, because we're not really on social media as much as we'd like to be, um, join the Slack. There'll be a link in this episode. And yeah, we hope to see you there. Talk to us. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>